Buddhist Geeks. Seriously Buddhist, seriously geeky. Episode 75. The best preparation for dying well is living well. The Zogjin Punlamp Rinpoche, the only Rinpoche we know with a blackberry, discusses the ways he integrates modern technology into his teachings. He also shares with us the importance of death with regards to living well and waking up. This is part two of a three-part series. I noticed this in your teaching that uh, breeze of simplicity mm-hmm. and also heard stories from people from the Tarta <laughs> that you really like to reference technology a lot of times in your teachings <laughs> and uh, people really enjoy that. They won't get a kick out of it because they don't usually hear those kind of references. Mm-hmm. Um, for example, I heard somehow you utilize the iPhone <laughs> in uh, an analog meditation and uh, I love the iPhone and uh-huh. I love practice in Buddhism. So mm-hmm. I'm curious if you could say a little bit about how you maybe how you teach the Westerners and like, and especially if your relationship to technology, because I also saw that Natarta International was started in a large part for computer technology for mm-hmm. um, preserving. preserving the teachings. Yes. Yeah. So could you say a little bit about that? Yes. I've been actually uh, fascinated by the modern uh, technology because there's so much you can do starting with the computer technology through which we've been trying to preserve uh, ancient Tibetan texts uh-huh. uh, by digitizing them, uh, which is not really like a scanned image, but actually actually typing yeah. in each each uh, page uh, right. by individuals, so that we can have uh, uh, access to search and so on. Yeah. And so I've been working on that since 1993. Yeah, it's been a long time. That's wonderful. And that was yes. really at the beginning of a big kind of technological yes. thing with computers. That mm-hmm. weren't- that ubiquitous at that time. <laughs> yeah, it was a little difficult that time because uh, everything was expensive. So uh, <laughs> yeah. we couldn't afford much. Uh, a big computers. computer for like $3,000. <laughs> yes, that's right. <laughs> right. <laughs> big and slow. Big and slow, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but we've done a lot of work now, you know, about uh, over uh, 100,000 volumes. Oh, that's amazing. And so we, we've been working on that. And that's been like, you know, really wonderful. Uh, we're technology, using technology for Dharma. Uh-huh. Uh, and then, you know, more and more like internet and you know telephone and so on like a lot of teachers doing telephone teachings you know my yeah. te- you know my teacher Kemparamji he does also give uh, telephone teachings does he yes to really students neat. yes yeah uh-huh. and of course here you are recording for a, a podcast so yeah, that's, that's right <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh-huh and so i think you know my feeling is that you know a lot of us in the west uh, especially in everywhere in the world now but in the west and we're using a lot of technology every day like you know, you mentioned about iPhone and, yeah. uh, well, I have a BlackBerry. And, yeah, that's uh, <laughs> right. That's right. Uh, yeah. Corey had told me when he got an email from you, said, sent for my BlackBerry. Yes. So you might be the only Rinpoche that we know <laughs> that sends emails from BlackBerry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, and uh, since we're all like kind of uh, enveloped in this kind of technology thing, you know, in uh, everyday life. Yeah. And people relate with this uh, very kind of in a very uh, natural way, you know, yeah. uh, with the technology. We don't even think about like now, you know, sending an email from the phone. Yeah, uh, seems pretty normal now. It seems pretty normal now and so on. So when you use these examples in the teachings, you know, people can really understand and connect. Uh-huh. And so, you know, when I use them in the teachings, most of the times I'm not really like, I was not thinking or planning like what yeah. examples to use. Yeah. It just pop up. 
uh, in my mind and then there it goes. Yeah. Yeah. And that makes sense to me because when I heard you using examples from Western culture and movies you've seen and yes. it seemed very natural, which felt really good for me because that's my life too. Like uh-huh. I have iPhone, I, ha- I watch movies. And so for you to use an example very naturally, that just it made it really easy for me to connect mm-hmm. to the points you were making. Mm-hmm. So it just seemed very natural integration. That's right. And also I feel more connected to people because uh, when I use it and when I see the movies and, you know, and that's how I learn also Western culture uh-huh. uh, so that I can relate to my friends and students. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's uh, wonderful. So it's been really helpful for me. Yeah. Great teaching. Great. Yeah. Thank you. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to maybe ask you a few questions mm-hmm. around practices related to death and mm-hmm. rebirth mm-hmm. Um, because you recently published a new book. Yes. Mind Beyond Death. Mind Beyond Death. Yes, <laughs> and, um, yes I see. It, and yeah. uh, I'm in the midst of reading it right now, uh-huh. but so far it's been wonderful you're going into teachings very specifically, but also very accessible. Mm-hmm. I also have the recently published Bardo teachings from Pamasambhava where they mm-hmm. recently published in English. I think you, you've probably seen the copy of it. Yes. Mm-hmm. I forget the translator who worked on it. Mm-hmm. That's pretty intense. Yes. I mean, it's a whole big, thick book of, uh, of very specific teachings. Uh-huh. But also uh, going back to the whole coffee table. Mm-hmm. Sort of Dharma. Books, mm-hmm. Yeah. Your book doesn't, it seems to be somewhere in between. It's, it's giving something that's very accessible but not going it's, so uh, <laughs> so intense that I, that you know I read five pages and I don't know what's going on. <laughs> Maybe it's a kitchen table. Kitchen table. <laughs> we'll move it throughout the house. <laughs> yeah. So I wonder if you could say a few maybe basic things of why it's good, why it's necessary to practice in life for death. How's that a essential part of our practice? Well, a lot of people have a fear of death, and death is our greatest fear. And many times it doesn't really escape our mind. You know, it comes back at at right. certain points, right. and sometimes more intense than the other times. Uh-huh. And also, that seems to be the greatest uh, suffering that we experience. You know, uh, we're trying everything to avoid death. You know, yeah. we go to the mountains for hiking, and we uh-huh. we go to the gym, and we take all these you know pills, and, <laughs> <laughs> you yeah, know, right. and we have all we build all these hospitals and new technology, medical technology. You know, they're all trying to avoid. We're all trying to avoid death in some ways, you know, either either avoid or to try to at least prolong right. life. A little postpone uh, it. Yeah, little which bit. is like, you know, kind of, you know, uh, running away from it. Yeah. And so since it is really one of our basic issues of suffering uh-huh. uh, in Buddhist teachings, uh, it seems to be the most important thing to deal with that, you know, deal with this fear and suffering and overcome uh-huh. uh, through the you know, wisdom teachings. And... Uh, uh, from teaching and writing this book, you know, my experience uh, of I mean, studying this book also is uh, it's not really like we have to think about death and uh, prepare for death all the time, like doing something different, you know. Right. Uh, the best preparation for dying well is living well, uh. you know. So the whole teaching is actually about how to live well. Mm-hmm. And if we live this moment well and if we use this moment well, you know, if we if if our lives are uh, are organized and set in in such that it's meaningful and you know positive and beneficial mm-hmm. uh, for oneself and for others, then that's the best preparation for that. You know? mm-hmm. We don't need to do anything separate. Yeah, and so yeah, so I think it's really not like you know thinking about death all the time, but uh, uh, remembering death is helpful because then we know uh, how precious this moment is. Uh-huh. You know, uh, since Buddha said everything is impermanent and everything's going to 
you know, change and dissolve. Mm. You know, that doesn't mean, you know, life is not worth living. Uh, but, uh. you know, what it means is actually because of impermanence, uh-huh. uh, life is very precious. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. It seems like it's forming a, a healthy relationship with death. Oh, yes. Uh-huh. Oh, yes, definitely. And the only way we can really have a mm, meaningful death, so to speak, or uh, you know, death that can bring us awakening or enlightenment mm-hmm. uh, is through... Uh, having some skills of working with our mind now yeah, while we are living. So when we have some sense of control of our mind and can work with our mind now, uh, well, at that time of death, then it will be quite uh, natural. Naturally, it will be positive and effective and beneficial uh-huh. and, uh, and joyful. It's blissful. And I always say life and death are like the two sides of the same coin. Uh-huh. And our problem is usually we label one side of the coin as being good <laughs> and the other side of the coin as being bad. Right. But actually, it doesn't really matter whichever side you show, you know, this coin will give you a candy. Right. Will buy you a candy, you know. Oh, that's, yeah. You know, so whether it's called life or death, uh-huh. if we can use it well, the, both of these experiences can bring you enlightenment. Ah. You know, doesn't matter. It's like the coin. Yeah. Yes. And so... Therefore, you know, living, you know, we think life is something like, you know, long process of thing and, you know, dying is also like something very like painful and long uh, process of journey, like, you know, Bardo teachings talk about. But actually, when you really look at it uh, in a more, from the more wisdom tradition point of view, uh-huh. you know, living is only all, just this moment. Mm-hmm. When you really think about it, it's just about this moment. Mm-hmm. When we say life is really this moment. You know, it's just one moment. Oh. And dying is also one moment. It's not a big deal. <laughs> it's not a big difference. Join us for the fourth annual Buddhist Geeks Conference, hosted in partnership with Mindful Cyborgs and Shambhala Sun from October 16th through the 19th in beautiful Boulder, Colorado. This year's conference will be exploring the convergence of Buddhism with modern culture and technology through informative keynote presentations, idea-packed TED-style talks, self-organizing community dialogues, and contemplative workshops and practice periods. This year's list of presenters includes the world's most quantified man, Chris Dancy, abbot of the village Zendo in New York City, Roshi Pat Enkyo O'Hara, and Pragmatic Dharma Provocateur Daniel Ingram, as well as many others. For more information and to register, visit BuddhistGeeks.com slash conference. After nearly a year in private beta, the Buddhist Geeks Network is now open for any independent practitioners who want to engage in interdependent practice. You can find out more about the Buddhist Geeks Network by visiting BuddhistGeeks.network. And if you'd like to join the community and join us in regular social meditation practice or other events that we host there in the network, all freely offered, you're very welcome to do so, again, by visiting BuddhistGeeks.network. Love to see you there.